If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. Hello, everyone. Dan here with a little bit of a surprise gift for you all to enjoy over the holiday period. Long-time listeners of the show know that back in summer of this year, I recorded a six-part mini-series titled Rights and Wrongs with my buddy and best-selling author, John L. Monk. Since we're heading into the holiday spirit, we figured now would be a good time to share this extra bonus series with you, usually reserved for our Patreon supporters over at www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare, so you can head on into 2021, having learned from some of the biggest mistakes that we've made along a combined 10 years of our author journeys. Enjoy the series. We hope you find it useful. They can be watched in any order, so find the ones that apply most to you. Have an amazing holiday break, and we will see you very soon. What's the one thing that all great writers have in common? They all learn from their mistakes. Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, this Great Writers Learn miniseries will give you a behind-the-curtains look at two independent authors and the struggles they've faced along the way. You can shortcut the success of your career by learning from their blunders. Welcome to Great Writers Learn with your hosts, best-selling authors, Daniel Wilcox and John L. Monk. Hello and welcome to Rights and Wrongs, a Great Writers Learn mini-series in which we explore the behind the scenes of author craft, take a retrospective look at some of the biggest mistakes that we've made and share fundamental lessons learned so that you can learn from our errors and accelerate your author career. My name's Daniel Wilcox, and with me every single week is the wonderful John L. Monk. Hello, John. Hey, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty pretty darn good. Beautiful. Just just doing some writing today, Um, nearing 100,000 words on my latest uh, project, a lit RPG book, follow-up to my series called Mythian. Yes. Yeah. That's exciting. Yes. Um, Today, we're going to be exploring the topic of book covers, sharing some of our own personal mistakes and errors that we've learned to avoid by watching others. So, John, what can you tell us about the rights and wrongs behind book covers or cover art? (laughs) Okay. Everybody's probably sick of hearing it, but obviously don't do your own cover art uh, unless you're like a really good artist. You know, and even then doctors don't take, uh, you know, their own advice. If they're smart, they go to other doctors. Um, but what it is, you really want to just sort of think about what it is book covers do. Um, you know, they sell your book and to sell your book, you're going to want to follow a lot of different guidelines that just make sort of sense unless you're Stephen King and you can break all the rules. Um, for example, there's genre expectations. Uh, I know that cozy mystery, for example, uh, almost always has illustrations rather than photo manipulation and, and stock art and stuff like that. Military science fiction, you know, it has like spaceships, fantasy, certain types of fantasy might have dragons, especially if you ask Lindsay Baroker. She's always talking yes. about. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it, it's fundamental. Uh, it's, it, it's tempting to do your own book cover because book covers can sometimes cost quite a lot of money. Um, but in my opinion, and de- definitely from my own experiences, it's so, so worth it to get a piece of art that 
fits the genre, that looks the piece, that really, really sells your book because it is going to be the first thing that readers see when they go on the Amazon page. Um, obviously, the old uh, adage, never judge a book by its cover, nobody listens to because I definitely do judge a book by its covers. Um, and I think one of my one of my first big points on this is that there is a fundamental difference between what is good art and what is good cover art because cover art sells books and people who read your genre have a specific idea of what they look for in the books that they're buying. Whereas sometimes what I have seen and what I've done, particularly when um, I was in my first few months, a year of writing, the, the, uh, the cover art that I use on some of my books, it was really pretty art, but it just did not fit the book or actually sell the message of what the book was about. Um, and that can definitely be a problem when, you, when you're already confusing the expectations that a reader's going to get from reading your book. So you're telling me I can't take the Mona Lisa, which is copyright free, <laughs> and put it on my cover and, and call it like the sword of truth or something like that? Well, I mean, putting aside all the copyright issues, I think, uh, <laughs> although it's over 100 years old, so I don't know if copyright still applies. I'm sure there is somewhere. I don't know how that works. I think it's like 300 years old or something like that. Yeah. Yes, it's old. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's it's tempting to just find a piece of really, really pretty art and slap it on. But um, I know that speaking from the books that I've recovered that sell and convert better from having a particular cover designer do the work, uh, it's definitely worth investing in someone who knows what to look for for book cover design. Yeah, I've spent some good money on it yeah. uh, over the years. Uh, this latest round um, with Mythian, or rather it's called, it's called the Chronicles of Ethan. Uh, can I plug that anymore? I'm just kidding. Um, Hell yes. <laughs> so I spent quite a bit of money. Uh, if anybody wants to take a look, it's called the Chronicles of Ethan. Just check out the artwork. I love the artwork. I think it probably it sells good. the book more than the reviews right now. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you know, going back into like problems, um, uh, problems with book covers, things you want to think about. Uh, you want to really think about content. Uh, you know, uh, you don't have to like um, match the scenes in the book. I think that's a mistake. It limits you creatively. Imagine somebody reading an ebook. They're not going to be like, wait a minute, is this in the cover? But a lot of people they get kind of focused on those little details. Um, and let me see. The other thing I would say would be, uh, what is Amazon going to say? If you're doing erotica, for example, uh, you know, they have, you know, probably want to get your, you want to get your advice from erotica writers, not us, but there are definite rules that are going to get you in trouble over on Amazon. Um, speaking from something I'm a little bit more familiar with post-apocalyptic, uh, it was a real bone of contention with me not to use guns on the cover. Okay. Mm -hmm. Having guns on the cover um, could do things like not get you a daily deal. Now, I know this from talking to somebody who's gotten a daily deal and got an Amazon sales rep, and the sales rep literally told them, do not have guns on the cover or I can't do this for you. Now, that was that's some information that's a few years old. Uh, I don't know if it's still the case. Um, you know, maybe find out, uh, you know, find out from other people who've gotten daily deals, see if they have books on the cover. Uh, guns on the cover, or just don't do a gun on the cover. Um, the other thing you don't want to do is be misleading. Don't be cute and write an erotica book or something and they have a bunch of teddy bears all over the front. That, you know, <laughs> you know. I mean, that would just get you banned if you're if you're doing anything like that. Which actually a, 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 a personal story on that is that my mother once accidentally, while, I mean, she she's a lightweight anyway, but at Christmas she bought a book called 50 Sheds of Grey because uh, it had sheds on the cover. And while it was a funny book about different types of sheds, there was quite a lot of uh, blue language in there as well, which she was not expecting. So, Right. And even though we're not talking about like titles and stuff, I'd be, I'd be careful of that type of behavior for an author because, mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, like anything. You do not want to anger the gods, right? Not that no. god. Yeah. No. How how do you approach? Because we mentioned a little bit about how um, obviously sometimes you have to pay a good amount for a book cover. How do you approach sourcing your book book covers, and what kind of price range would you recommend for someone looking to to get a decent cover? Well, my first book covers were done by Damon Zah, right? That was yes. very very. You won't see any of my covers now by Damon Zah. He's a you know a good designer, but he hires a lot of people. Um, so you got to hope that you get the right designer for you. Um, you, you they, they kind of, it seemed to me, follow the practice of, oh, we give you five free, or not five free, you're not paying for any, you're not getting anything free. <laughs> you get five, like, uh, ideas, and mm-hmm. you want to pick one. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but, you know, I just personally suspect that four of the things that they give you are really easy to clap together, and the fifth one is like really nice. Uh, it kind of makes, um, you know, it's a better use of their time or something like that. I don't know if that's the case, but you want to you want to think about that when you're uh, sourcing something. Um, but Damon's is good though, so even the even the covers that I wasn't too happy with or whatever was still good for somebody. Um, I've seen a lot of pre-made covers that are just amazing. Um, yes. So that's I wouldn't I wouldn't poo-poo that at all. Um, for illustrations, I think I'm getting pretty good at around four or $500 a book cover. Um, I know that things like uh, Chris Fox, I think pays like a thousand or more dollars for his spaceships and, and military sci-fi stuff. Um, what else? As far as sourcing them, word of mouth helps. You yes. Know, uh, yeah. yeah. That's the kind of thing. And then you build up, and when you get a good, when you get a good cover designer, you really want to cultivate them. You want to be very careful with them and, and be nice and uh, you know, don't pester them too much. Don't constantly you know, go back and forth about that very, very <laughs> special shade of green that you're just going for. Uh, yes. you know, and the other thing I would probably say is, um, you know, if you're writing a, a 10 book series and you want continuity and you know you're gonna write it and you have the money, maybe buy all those book covers up front. Because at least in my case, uh, I had an amazing book cover artist, somebody I just never want to give up, but she doesn't do it anymore. And I think she's only doing pre- prefab stuff while she does kind of her, uh, her pre-made covers while she does the rest of her life. She's not going back and forth with, uh, with authors anymore. Mm. So I, you know, like the third book in my series, Hell's Children, plug. No, uh, <laughs> it's... Um, you know, I can't, I gotta, I probably have to rebrand the whole thing or, or try to find somebody. Oh, and that's one more thing. Uh, I'm going to talk. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm filibustering, but, uh, no, that's what you're here for. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're, uh, when you're working with a, a person, you are worried that they will maybe stop making covers and you can't get that third book in your series. All you have to do is when you buy those first two or the first one, get the fonts from them. Tell them, Hey, what are the fonts that you used? And uh, you can get those fonts from them. And then if you can find a talented cover artist, they can replicate the work of your cover artist. Yeah. I had this done. I had this done once before too. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. No, I uh, pretty much with every cover art that I get now, I ask specifically for the source files as well. Um, And not necessarily, I mean, I'm a bit of a, a dabbler in Photoshop anyway, so I can manipulate cover art enough to make social media ads and things as well. Um, but it's definitely yes. worth, even if it's an additional $30, $40, $50, just 
I highly, highly recommend getting those source files because if you don't have the individual layers and the individual makeup of that cover art, and like you say, you then lose that cover artist, you, you, you're stuck, you can't do anything with it. But if you know someone who is good with Photoshop or manipulating or whatever the program is that they use, then at least you've got some some chance of being able to reuse that material or edit it or tweak it or do whatever it, whatever it is uh, you want to do with it. Um, and one thing that you raised there as well, I think there's definitely a there's definitely a method and a uh, approach to working with designers because, like you say, I think a lot of people can get really eager in terms of nudging designers, nudging designers, nudging designers. And if you've got a good designer, you shouldn't have to nudge them in the first place because they should be communicating with you. Um, yeah. But if you do find yourself in that position, there is there is a particular way to work with designers. You have you have to be patient for one. Um, as long as they're inside the the deadlines that they've told you that they're going to reach and make sure that you know what those deadlines are up front, because the worst thing you can do is say to someone, design me a cover and they'll go, okay, take your money. And then you just don't know when that's going to come in. Um, And there's a level of, of clarity and there's a particular way in which you need to communicate in your design brief, be clear on what it is you want, make sure that you know what your idea is up front, because if you've got some half-assed idea of what your book's going to be, and then you get your art back, and you're happy with it, but realize that's not actually the book you're writing when you're three months down the line into it, then that's your mistake and not the designers. Um, and also you in your head will have a very, very specific idea potentially of what your book cover will be. The designer does not. And as much as you try every method, I mean, I personally, I'll, I'll, I'll plug one of my books here, the rot. <laughs> no, it wasn't the rot. Yes, it was. It was the rot. Um, no, it was uh, Lazarus, Lazarus Enter the Dead Space. We we went through 99 designs to just, number one, see what all the fuss was about to try and get a book cover. And we got a good book cover in the end. But the thing that fascinated me was that's a, a process for anyone who hasn't used it where you basically upload your design brief and a whole pool of designers who fancy doing the project chip in and they give you ideas. You pick the ones that you like and you narrow them, narrow them down through, through rounds until you've picked your final cover design. And uh, one thing I realized very quickly was that you, if you're not clear in your design, people will go in every single direction. And so much of the stuff that came back, I suddenly went, oh, I didn't mention that. That's why it's come back in a way that I'm not happy with. Uh, and you have to really sort of narrow it down and, and communicate with those designers. But, you know, it's a job for them too. And they will charge for each round of edits if it starts pushing and pushing and pushing. So know as much as you, you can up front. Um, and one thing that I, I advise to do that I've done with my designers ever since is I will find at least 10 covers that are similar to the feel and the theme of what I want and then use them as inspiration, as guidance. I don't, not that I don't trust the designers to do that, but I know what it is I'm looking for. So I give them some kind of ballpark in which to, to aim the design at. Right. Now, as far as 99 designs is concerned, I would say that cover art is a definite specialized type of art. Mm. Uh, it takes a certain kind of mind uh, to understand what's cool and what's catchy um, and what really, you know, what really is going to sell. And, uh, you know, so you don't really know what you're getting with 99 designs, although I think it's cool that you used it. I used it for a YouTube channel. Nice. Um, and I had to tell them absolutely everything about the specs required for a YouTube banner. Those YouTube banners are, <laughs> they're first off, they're huge. Yes. And they're made, you, you got to make them big. They got to make them smaller and then smaller and smaller and smaller for all the different devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is stuff that none of the designers understood. No, we um, got a lot of really good, again, art. And there's a few sort of things that I was like, I'd love to have that as an exclusive poster as an extra giveaway, but it's just not a cover. Um, and then right. we, we got lucky in the end and we, we were happy with one of the ones we got. But I agree, a lot of the designs that came back were 
were just general art as opposed yeah. to book covers. Right. When you're coming up with a book cover, you probably also don't want to look at traditional uh, traditional authors and their books as ideas and inspirations for yours. They can break all the rules. They have storefront space. Uh, you want to be super smart about what you do. Um, you really kind of are, in, if you're an indie author, you're, you're in competition with other, other indies. You're going to want to make sure, other than the genre expectations that we'd already talked about, you're going to want to make sure that the title is, you know, readable when, when the cover is small. Uh, color is nice if appropriate, right? If the, if the book is called The World of Black and White, obviously you're not going to do good with lots of red and green. <laughs> uh, don't clutter it up. Leave a little space. And this is really, you know, this is like you, you, your designer sends you something back and you're like, oh, there's a spot there. Put a pumpkin. Oh, there's a spot there. Put a cat. <laughs> And you're going to clutter it all up. Um, uh, you want to get that typography perfect. Uh, uh, for example, with my Lit RPG series, we had a really, really cover, good cover designer. And he can do pretty good font work. Um, but I thought there was something a little bit lacking in the options he was giving us. So we just said, you know what? Uh, he, he, he was pretty cool on the pride thing. Right. He's like, yeah, you know, whatever. And he gave us the, the covers without any font work. And then we went back and forth with another designer who's really, really good at typography. And we got some killer typography. Again, check out the, um, it's called, um, I can't even remember, remember, the Chronicles of Ethan. So I really like the typography that we use there. And on the third book, there's like this hand that kind of comes out. Mm. Uh, you know, we were, like working with a typographer and they were kept on making the hand really dim. So I had, you know, we were not only am I going back and forth with the actual artist on certain things, we're going back up on the type of typography guy or gal and telling him like, quit dimming the hand. <laughs> you won't be able to see it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to work with people uh, a little bit without being too uh, picky, but you got to get that. You got to get that typography. People got to know what they're looking at when they, when they buy a book. Yeah, and a good bit of advice for seeing how your cover might fare against other other books is what I generally do when I do get a cover proof come through, I'll screenshot the top charts of what I'm trying to hit. So obviously in my case, horror, I'll get screenshot the top 20 or whatever, and then I'll place my book cover. I'll just lay it over the top of someone else's book cover to see how it would match up, see how it would look amidst the other. I do that too. Yeah. I make it really small next to their really small over on Amazon. I go, does this fit? Does yeah. this can I see this in here? Mm -hmm. And better yet, would I pick it over something else? And that's huge, particularly if you're assuming that you're writing a genre that you read, um, you you shouldn't have some idea of, of what kind of book you would pick and how, how that would look against the others. Uh, and also it's worth trusting your gut as well a lot of the time because I find, and what I've seen from a lot of people is you will get sent a book cover. And I think there are two reactions to what happens when you get sent your book cover. Number one, you're super excited just because you've got a book cover and you can see your project coming to life. But number two, you also have that half of your brain that's assessing whether or not it's good, actually good to, to fit into the genre that you're trying to go for. And one of them can wear off quite quickly, I feel, particularly in my experience where I'll get given a cover and initially I'm like, yes, this is fantastic, this is fantastic. But then that tiny little seed of doubt, a couple of days later, you're like, oh, but what if it's not, what if it's not enough and I've just paid X hundred for this, X hundred for this. Trust that initial gut feeling um, because it's very, very easy to overthink it 
And if your gut is telling you when you first get that cover, this is amazing, I love it, this fits what I'm looking for, then nine times out of 10, that will actually be the case. So, so trust that and, and go with it. Yeah, and when you show it to your friends too, like yes. cultivate some friends who um, have good taste. I would say as a general rule, I take authors a little less seriously when it comes to their opinions on covers because authors all have these things in their head that they are sort of focused on. Whereas a reader or just somebody would go, whoa, that's really cool, you know? Uh, yeah, and you're gonna look for, you know, count the number of exclamation marks, count the, the number of unsolicited follow-up comments about how cool it is. Because when someone's lying to you or being nice, they're gonna say, oh, wow, that's nice. Or, <laughs> yeah, interesting, or that's cool. Or, uh, you know, they're, they're just gonna, it's gonna be short, they're not gonna capitalize, there's no exclamations. There's no follow-up comments. So you can kind of tell when you have got a rock star cover and you throw it out there and people lose their, lose their minds. It's going to use a different word. Yeah. <laughs> I awesome. do have one more thing to add before we close up. Yes, throw it out there. And this might actually uh, appeal to some people who have books out there already. Um, and it would be rebranding your series. Mm. I would say in my experience, if you, if you have a selling, if, if you don't have a selling concept uh, and my, uh, my Jenkins cycle is not a selling concept, good books, but nobody's looking for, it's an almost literary kind of uh, series, almost literary, a little bit of action, things like that. But if you don't, if you don't have something that's a, a great selling concept a story or a title, then no amount of rebranding will help. It certainly didn't help me. I went from, kind of okay covers to really good ones in my opinion and you know it didn't really result in a big uh, jump in sales so you know at least in my opinion save your money that said uh if you have really terrible covers and you have a great concept great title great story and maybe you have really terrible covers you could you know rebrand and, and, and do some marketing and stuff and see what we're gonna, what's going to happen that's it awesome Yep, sounds like a good place to wrap it up. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. Thank you to John L. Monk for keeping me company. And if you've got your own lessons or cautionary tales regarding uh, book covers that you're dying to share, then you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare. Leave a comment at facebook.com slash groups slash greatwriterssshare or tag us with hashtag greatwriterslearn. Join us next time when we'll be exploring the rights and wrongs of genre expectations. Once again, thank you very much, John. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Great Writers Learn mini-series, Rights and Wrongs. If you're looking for even more content created specifically to boost your creative wealth and accelerate your author career, then head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare and get involved in the community. From all of us here over at the Great Writers Share HQ, including myself, Holly Lyon, John Grinnan and Faye Trask, have an amazing Christmas and here's to an incredible 2021. Until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Hey y'all, this is Kenya, creative director and co-founder of Domino Sound. And this is Alexandra De Palma, executive producer and co-founder of Domino Sound. And we're a queer, disabled, Black woman-owned podcast production company and network, creating authentic, inclusive, provocative content. We just launched Domino Presents, which is a new series of special audio projects. The premiere episode features the founders of Poppy Juice, the queer art collective throwing the hottest parties in New York City and around the world. We also recommend The Cheat Code, our hit 10-episode audio soap opera surrounding a love affair. Think love and hip-hop meets The Affair meets The Sopranos. Follow us on IG at dominosoundco to keep up. And listen to our shows on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Domino Sound. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.